0: We begin tonight with news out of Colorado, where the state Supreme Court ruled 4-3 to that Donald Trump is ineligible to appear on their ballot in the Republican Party's upcoming Republican primary. Now, obviously, Trump is going to appeal this ruling, and it goes straight to the Supreme Court. But there's no guarantee that the Supreme Court will take it, which means... If they don't take the case, Colorado could scrub Donald Trump's name, but other states would leave his name on the ballot. This is, got got states like Maine, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and a few others where it's, where it's still making its way through their courts. Conceivably, if the Supreme Court refused to take this case, What we're looking at is a presidential election where Donald Trump's name will not be on the ballot in all 50 states. That's if the Supreme Court refuses to hear this case. Unlikely. They have to hear it. The flip side to all this is the Supreme Court does take the case. And then what? Well, they could rule that the Colorado State Supreme Court overextended its authority. They could rule that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment doesn't include the President of the United States. That, if you remember, we've gone over this, that is what the lower court in Colorado ruled last month. The state Supreme Court overturned the lower court's reading of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and said Section 3 does apply to the office of the presidency. Without getting too deep into the weeds, the argument so far, and this will be the argument when it gets to the Supreme Court, it gets down to whether or not the President of the United States is an office, the same way the job of a senator or a congressperson, is considered an office. I know. Conceivably, the United States Supreme Court could let the lower court ruling stand. That would mean they'd have to overturn the Colorado State Supreme Court's ruling. But if the United States Supreme Court decides not to get tripped up over the language of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, then the Supreme Court will have to decide whether January Six was in fact an insurrection. If it wasn't an insurrection, then Trump's name must be restored to the ballot. But how would it work if the United States Supreme Court upholds the state Supreme Court's ruling. Could the highest court in the land get away with an incredibly narrow ruling where they uphold Colorado's right to remove a candidate from the ballot because their state Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump participated in an insurrection and it only applies To Colorado. The ruling, they let stand the Colorado State Supreme Court's ruling and leave it up to the states. Could the United States Supreme Court get away with an incredibly narrow ruling and leave it at that? In a way, like Dobbs, leave it to the states. You know, we have a lot of Federalists sitting on the Supreme Court. Could they turn it into a state's rights issue? Unlikely. In fact, impossible. They are not going to be able to punt on this. The Supreme Court has to take this case. They have to take it yesterday. I mean, they, they, have, to, they have to do it in January. And, and after they take this case... There's no way they can leave it to the states. The Supreme Court, they have to rule whether January 6th was in fact an insurrection. They have to rule whether Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies to presidential candidates. As one of the Colorado Supreme Court justices pointed out about a week ago, for the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, when this gets to them... This has to be a one-size-fits-all decision coming down from our Supreme Court. Either it was an insurrection or it wasn't. Either Donald Trump participated in an insurrection or he didn't. Either Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies to a presidential candidate or it doesn't. Those are the three prongs of this case. These are the three questions that our nine Supreme Court justices have to decide unless they play with the language like the lower court in Colorado did, and they just decide to punt and say, it, this doesn't apply to the president. So the three questions that our Supreme Court, is gonna, they're going to have to decide on Uh, Was it an insurrection? Did Donald Trump participate in it if it was an insurrection? And, And this is the important question. It's the reading of the 14th Amendment. Does Section 3 of the 14th Amendment apply to presidential candidates? So, if the Supreme Court rules it was, in fact, an insurrection and that Donald Trump took part in said insurrection, and that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies to presidential candidates, then they will have no choice but to scrub Donald Trump's name from every single ballot in our country. To refresh your memory, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment By the way, we went over this uh, throughout the fall, and I never thought it would get to this. I realized it was just filling time. I didn't really think this would make it. I figured the state Supreme Courts would go, no. So to refresh your memory, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment was passed in 1868, right after the Civil War. Was to keep old Confederacy politicians from ever getting sent back to Washington by Southern voters. The language is very specific. If you once swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and then participated in an insurrection, after you've sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution, then you are never again allowed to hold elective office unless through an act of Congress where two-thirds of the House and then two-thirds of the Senate vote to restore your right to hold election, elective office. Now, there are some who say Donald Trump didn't take an oath to uphold the Constitution. That's kind of what the lower courts in, in Colorado ruled, that he, he swore a different oath. A president swears a different oath than a congressperson or a senator or a governor. Now, this Section 3 of the 14th Amendment was specifically written to keep people like Jefferson Davis, the uh the president of the Confederacy, from getting out of prison eventually and then running for office again because Reconstruction was surely going to come to an end, and most likely with the end of Reconstruction he would get elected. Chris Christie, Trump's most vocal challenger uh, in all this, he's a former prosecutor, And he said he didn't agree with the ruling. Vivek Ramaswamy said if the ruling stands, he will take his name off the ballot in Colorado to show solidarity with Donald Trump's ass, which Vivek continues to kiss, hoping to be picked as Donald Trump's running mate. Now, Colorado is on Super Tuesday in March. A lot going on in March. The D.C. criminal trial is supposed to start in March. There's another question before the Supreme Court as to whether or not there's such thing as presidential immunity. This has been expedited. Jack Smith, the special counsel, is leapfrogging over the appellate courts to try to get our Supreme Court to make a ruling so That trial can start in March. I'll talk more about that and Clarence Thomas in a second. So, Colorado is on Super Tuesday in March. The Supreme Court of Colorado stayed their own decision. In other words, they ruled Trump's name should be kept off the March ballot. But until they get a ruling from the Supreme Court... Trump's name will remain on the ballot. So they've stayed their own ruling. If the Supreme Court takes the case, and I don't see how they can't, then you will have lawyers for Donald Trump and lawyers for Crewe. They're the lobbying group uh, that brought this case along with some other Republicans, actually, in Colorado. Uh, you will have lawyers for Trump and lawyers for the plaintiffs arguing before the Supreme Court whether January 6 was an insurrection. Not whether Trump initiated the insurrection because the court, they'll have to decide whether the language in Section 3, as I said, applies to a presidential candidate, okay? And the lower court in Colorado said it doesn't apply to the president, that the president takes a different oath. The state's Supreme Court just overruled the lower court and said the language of Section 3 does apply to candidates for president. So how does the Supreme Court get out of this? Here's a release valve I see for the Supreme Court, a way to keep Trump on the ballot without losing the Supreme Court losing more credibility if such a thing is possible. I don't see how they can become any more hated among uh, Democrats or people who care about the Constitution. So section three only says participated in an insurrection, right? Did Trump participate in an insurrection? And this is where given the makeup of our Supreme Court, I think Trump gets off. Trump, I hate to admit it, didn't lead them to the Capitol. He wanted to. That was the plan. He was going to lead a march to the Capitol. We've just learned that the organizers of Stop the Steal uh, lied to the park service when they got the permit they said there wasn't going to be a march and now the inspector general for the park service dug into memos and learned no no the plan all along was to march to the capitol but was trump going to lead that march he said he wanted to during the january 6 hearings we heard of a wrestling match between donald trump And a Secret Service agent in the beast, he he wanted to go down to the Capitol, but the Secret Service stopped him. So you're arguing before the Supreme Court, did he participate in an insurrection? Did he lead an insurrection? You don't have to prove that he led an insurrection. You just have to prove that he participated in an insurrection. An argument could be made that, yes, this was an insurrection. An argument could be made that Section 3 does apply to presidential candidates, but Trump did not lead, nor did he participate in the actual insurrection. He did not storm the Capitol. There is, Trump's lawyers could argue, there is no evidence That he ordered anyone to stop the certificate, the certification, the certif. Nobody ordered him to physically. He never ordered anyone to physically stop the certification of the election for Joe Biden. Now there is evidence that Donald Trump did order that. That's what he wanted. It might be hard to prove. And so this could end up being a First Amendment issue. Is incendiary speech necessarily a call to arms? Is angry political speech protected by the First Amendment? Did Donald Trump scream fire in the proverbial crowded theater? Do the words, do his words, go down there and fight like hell, constitute a call to arms for an insurrection? I know nothing. I just don't see how the Supreme Court, a court this conservative, with one-third of the judges, one-third of the judges picked by Donald Trump Plus, Clarence Thomas, whose wife was there on January 6th. Ginny Thomas, who told the January 6th committee that Joe Biden stole the election. There's nothing you can tell her. Nothing can convince her otherwise. To this day, she still believes the election was stolen. There are records of her forwarding QAnon links to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows during the lead-up to January 6th, links that prove that the Biden crime family was stealing the election and watermarking ballots. I just don't see how this court, and Sam Alito, I just don't see how this court rules against Trump. I don't see how the Supreme Court will rule to keep Donald Trump's name off the ballot. Luckily, as you know, I'm usually wrong. Which brings me to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. He should quit. He needs to retire now. He's got two big rulings coming up, and he's married to the wrong person. He's got the Colorado State Supreme Court ruling on removing Trump. And he's got special counsel Jack Smith's wanting a decision. He wants the court to, uh, Jack Smith, a special counsel, wants the Supreme Court to issue an expedited ruling on Trump's claim of presidential immunity. It's horseshit. There's no such thing as presidential immunity. Can a president commit a crime in the Oval Office and then be tried after he leaves why did Gerald Ford have to pardon Richard Nixon Clarence Thomas is the oldest justice serving on the court his wife has made a hash out of his entire life he should quit he should cash in his chips and go home Clarence Thomas is not a happy fella, especially since the job of Supreme Court justice doesn't pay enough. That's not me saying this. That's what Clarence Thomas has been complaining about for more than two decades. He can't stop yakking about how little you get when you sit on the Supreme Court. Pro-public has been doing all the reporting on this, or most of the reporting on this, and you should think about ProPublica when you make your donations this holiday season. ProPublica, we've had a lot of reporters on the show from ProPublica. They are keeping investigative journalism alive in America. So if you want to do me a favor, if you, if you want to thank me for the work that I put in this year, you can do it by Donating to ProPublica uh, when you make your charitable offerings now. And let me know in the comments section that you donated to ProPublica, please. So, according to ProPublica, back in 2000, 23 years ago, Clarence Thomas was on a flight home from a speaking engagement and he had a he was at a private conservative event in Georgia where he got to stay at a five-star resort and on his free first-class flight home he found himself seated next to a republican congressman who had been attending the same conservative get-together and clarence began talking to the republican congressman and he complained that he didn't get paid for his speech sure they put me up at this wonderful Resort, I got fed, first class travel. But, but Clarence Thomas complained that he just couldn't make it on his $173,000, $173,000 a year salary, which according to ProPublica would be the equivalent of roughly $300,000 in today's money and Clarence was complaining in first class, flying home from his first class accommodations at a resort in Georgia, that he just can't afford to live this way. He told the congressman that he was thinking of quitting. Now, according to ProPublica, Republicans panicked because Bill Clinton was president in 2000 and they didn't want to lose a right wing extremist like Clarence Thomas. At the same time, according to ProPublica, Justice Thomas got proactive. He wrote a series of memos to then Chief Justice of the Supreme Court William Rehnquist, who, by the way, Once dated, Sandra Day O'Connor, who is lying in state as we speak. Yeah, Chief Justice Rehnquist and Sandra Day O'Connor attended Stanford Law at the same exact time, back in the 1950s. Apparently, they shared a lot more than just notes. They became lovers. Lovers. Rehnquist more so than Sandra Day. Rehnquist fell madly in love with Sandra Day O'Connor while they were dating at Stanford Law, and he proposed marriage. This is true. And Sandra Day O'Connor rejected William Rehnquist. Instead, she went on to marry another Stanford Law graduate named John O'Connor, 25 years later, Ronald Reagan nominated Sandra Day O'Connor to sit on the bench. By that time, William Hubbs Rehnquist was already an associate justice on that very same court. He was soon to be appointed chief justice. At the time, he was just an associate justice. To his credit, Hubbs... That's what Bill Rehnquist's friends called him, Hubs. I don't know if that's true, but his middle name was Hubs. And I like to think that's what the people close to Rehnquist called him, Hubs. The same way people I'm close to call me Beauregard, because that's my middle name, Beauregard. As per my grandfather's request, I was named David Beauregard Feldman. Nobody in our family was ever named Beauregard, but my grandfather loved the name Beauregard because he always wanted to own slaves. He was a bad guy, my grandfather. Anyway, Hubs, that would be Billy Rehnquist, to his credit, could have called Ronald Reagan and said, Don't appoint Sandra Day O'Connor, she broke my heart. And it will be awkward having her strutting around the Supreme Court in those tight-fitting robes of hers. I won't be able to concentrate. And more importantly, it's not just me. Her reasoning is not sound. She suffers from... She doesn't... She's illogical. For example, he, he could have said to Ronald Reagan, Don't appoint her. Uh, she doesn't have a great legal mind. I laid out a convincing case for why she should marry me, and she rejected it. I said, Defend your ruling. Why are you rejecting my line of reasoning? And she said, She didn't possess feelings for me. Feelings. Point by point. I eviscerated the thrust of her argument. I established her response of not wanting to marry me was wide off the mark. And a lot of my friends concurred that I substantiated without any shadow of a doubt that she did in fact have feelings for me, but she still refused to concede my argument despite all evidence to the contrary. So I honestly think Sandra Day O'Connor lacks the judicial temperament to sit on the highest court of the land. That's what Hubbs was thinking of telling Ronald Reagan, but to his credit, he bit his lip and didn't say that. He decided what's past is past, and nobody told anyone that William Rehnquist. And Sandra Day O'Connor were lovers and that she broke his heart and the two of them served on the court and this was kept secret during William Rehnquist's entire tenure on the court for fear that Walter Matthau and Glenda Jackson would try to do a sitcom based on their lives. The love between Sandra Day and Hubbs, we dare not say its name, that love was never revealed until Hubbs passed away. Nobody knew about it. The same way nobody ever found out about Samuel Alito and former Attorney General Bill Barr and their... J. Edgar Hoover, Clyde Tolson thing they've got going on. The point I'm making is, and this is a very important point, the point I'm, stop Googling Bill Rehnquist and Sandra Day O'Connor. Everybody's Googling to find out. They think I'm making it up. The point I'm making is that had Sandra Day O'Connor married hubs billy rehnquist she never would have been asked to sit on the supreme court this is true this is absolutely true the u.s code title 5 chapter 31 has very specific rules regarding federal officials working with loved ones it's generally frowned upon I'm pretty certain it was against the law for President Trump to hire Ivanka and Jared. But the great thing about breaking every single law in the United States criminal code, anything short of mass murder is perceived as a misdemeanor. So this brings me back to Clarence Thomas. Back in the year 2000, he was broke. He was broke. According to ProPublica, Clarence Thomas was several hundred thousand dollars in debt. And there was nothing he could do to get out. Nothing he could do to get out of that debt. Because the job pays what it pays. And there are laws on the books that prevent Supreme Court justices from getting paid to deliver speeches at Goldman Sachs. And like I said, Judge Thomas began writing a series of memos asking for permission to let Supreme Court justices have a side hustle, because how can you expect us to live on only $300,000 a year? But Congress wouldn't change the rules. It is what it is. It pays what it pays. If you can't live on a government salary, quit. Go take a job in the private sector. We can live without you. When you sit on the court, you have a job for life. A salary right now of $274,000 a year and a pension and you're paid to read and write and argue 24 hours a day. I mean, for some, it's a dream job. And, and you cannot stay executions. You can let off steam by ignoring calls and, and not staying in execution. You know, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty good job. And if you need money, if $274,000 a year doesn't cut it, don't take the job. Or if you took the job and suddenly found yourself up to your eyeballs in debt Quit! There are hundreds of equally qualified lower court justices who can do the job just as good, if not better, than you can. So, word got out that Justice Thomas was broke and was thinking of quitting the court. To keep him happy, a steady stream of millionaires and billionaires... And men and women who not only have business before the Supreme Court, but also run think tanks that pick Supreme Court justices, they began to take care of some of Clarence Thomas's expenses. Cliff Stearns was a Republican congressman from Florida back in 2000 when he sat next to Clarence Thomas on that infamous flight where Thomas let it all out, where he said, I'm thinking of quitting in order to get out from underneath my crushing debt. Well, he's no longer a member of Congress. He was back then. And Stearns, former Congressman Cliff Stearns, Republican, spoke with ProPublica last week and said, Clarence Thomas's importance as a conservative justice was quote unquote Paramount. Stearns told ProPublica last week, quote, we wanted to make sure Clarence felt comfortable in his job and he was being paid properly. Interesting. The conservatives wanted to make sure Clarence was paid properly. You mean lobby Congress to give all the judges on the Supreme Court a raise so all of them could be paid properly? no. Just make sure Clarence Thomas was paid properly. So what has transpired over the past 23 years is a series of undisclosed gifts to Clarence Thomas that would make Abe Fortas's head spin. Richard Painter, he was the White House ethics lawyer during George W. Bush's presidency, He says Thomas's grift of gifts is unprecedented in its scope. George W. Bush's ethics lawyer is offended by Clarence Thomas. If George W. Bush's ethics advisor is offended, it's pretty offensive. We have simply never seen a Supreme Court justice take gifts on a scale that Thomas has. We have never seen a Supreme Court justice violate rules of disclosure and ethics on a scale like Clarence Thomas has. Like I said, it would make Abe Fortas's head spin. Abe Fortas served on the Supreme Court from only 1965 till 1969. In nineteen sixty-eight, he was nominated to become Chief Justice of the Supreme Court to replace Earl Warren, but he flew too close to the sun. He had a nice job as an Associate Justice, but President Johnson wanted him to become Chief Justice, and he flew too close to the sun, and he paid a huge price for it. His nomination was scuppered after it was discovered he had accepted... $15,000 to deliver nine speeches at American University's law school. That was it. President Johnson withdrew the nomination because too many Southern Democrats and Republicans had to find any excuse to stop a pro-civil rights First Amendment Jew from becoming chief justice. They had to find anything One of the senators from the South said, it's bad enough that Thurgood Marshall is sitting on the Supreme Court. Now you're asking me to confirm a Jew as chief justice? Unquote. Uh, So when Nixon became president after Johnson, he wanted to appoint a new conservative justice. But there were no vacancies. No vacancies. Abe Fortas, though, didn't get to be chief justice, but he was still sitting on the court. And there were no vacancies. And Richard Nixon, his first year in office, 1969, he wanted to get somebody on the court. So he and his attorney general, John Mitchell, they thought, you know, Abe Fortas, we could work with this. Fortas had already been damaged by that $15,000 speaking fee, and then they looked into it and they discovered that he had temporarily, Abe Fortas had temporarily accepted an annual retainer of $20,000 a year to advise a Wall Street investor's family foundation. So other justices at the time were arranging similar deals, Uh, William O. Douglas had something else going on with a rich benefactor. It was on the margins of what is and isn't ethical, which is why immediately after he made the deal, Abe Fortas had a change of heart. He agreed to work for this Wall Street Investors Family Foundation and then said, no, not going to do it. And he gave back the money Very same year that he made the deal, he said, this isn't ethical, I've changed my mind. But that was enough for Republicans to get him, to get him off the court. Nixon and Mitchell ordered the Justice Department to investigate Fortas to to turn this deal with the Wall Street investor into something bigger than it actually was. It was something on the margins, but... He returned the money. And nobody, by the way, was sure if it was even legal for Richard Nixon to order his attorney general, John Mitchell, to investigate a sitting Supreme Court justice. Is that legal? Can the executive branch investigate the judicial branch? What a question. What, what, what's, what do we do? Luckily, the Deputy Attorney General at the time was William Rehnquist, working directly under John Mitchell. Hubbs said, let me check with my sideburns. Hubbs was sporting some uh, nice sideburns back then, which he is actually combing over. He's, he's co- I've never seen this move before. You grow the sideburns long and then you comb it it over the top of your head. Anyway, Hubs checked with his sideburns and his sideburns said it's perfectly legal for the Justice Department to investigate a Supreme Court justice. This is actually, I'm not making this up. If you're done googling Sandra Day O'Connor and William Rehnquist's torrid law school affair, you can google the role that hubs played in getting uh, the Justice Department to investigate Abe Fortas. It's all true, especially the stuff about the sideburns. So they you know, wouldn't let go of this deal that Fortas made with the Wall Street investor, even though he returned the money. There was talk of impeachment. And then John Mitchell who, by the way, ended up going to prison, uh, told Abe Fortas that the Justice Department would start investigating Abe Fortas's wife for tax evasion if he didn't step down. So Fortas, despite his fellow justices urging him to stay, he resigned. He cashed his chips out, like Clarence Thomas should do. Just get out. Well, Nixon got exactly what he wanted, his first year in office, an opportunity to pick a conservative justice in his very first year in office. And his first choice was Clement Hainsworth. And that is, let me, that would be on the left, that would be Strom Thurmond, Senator Strom Thurmond, pre hair plugs. That's Strom Thurmond on the left pre-hair plugs trying to help usher Hainsworth's nomination Strom Thurmond loved Clement Hainsworth because Clement Hainsworth was a segregationist and he was anti-labor but Strom Thurmond was no match for the coalition in the Senate of Rockefeller Republicans and liberal Democrats. And so Clement Hainsworth, his name was withdrawn to Strom Thurmond's eternal regret. Then Richard Nixon nominated G. Harold Carswell to replace Abe Fortas. And it looked like Judge Carswell was going to sail right through the nominating process. But then, during the Senate Judiciary hearings, someone stumbled across a speech that G. Harold Carswell had given back in 1948, 20 years earlier, when he was a candidate for the Georgia State Legislature. Let you people decide. This is what G. Harold Carswell said, uh, in a campaign speech and this is why the senate rejected him these are his words you decide he said in 1948 i am a southerner by ancestry birth training i didn't know you have to be trained to be a southerner put that book down (laughs) i guess that's how they train you to be a southerner i'm a southerner by ancestry birth training inclination belief and practice it's an identity being a southerner and i believe that segregation of the races is proper and the only practical and correct way of life in our states i have always so believed and i shall always so act it gets worse I shall be the last to submit to any attempt on the part of anyone to break down and to weaken this firmly established policy of our people, our people, the people of the South. If my own brother were to advocate such a program, I would be compelled to take issue with him and to oppose him to the limit of my ability I yield to no man as a fellow candidate or as a fellow citizen in the firm, vigorous belief in the principles of white supremacy, and I shall always be so governed, unquote. My vigorous belief in the principles of white supremacy, and I shall always be. So governed. White supremacy. It's not just racism. Racists, they believe in white supremacy. Strom Thurmond loved this guy. But G. Harold Carswell had to withdraw his nomination. He made an argument. He said, uh, don't judge me on something I said 20 years ago. I would never say what I said 20 years ago today. I would think it. I would make my judicial rulings based on what I said 20 years ago. But now I would decorate those thoughts with flowery language about states' rights and busing. But I would never, ever say what I said 20 years ago out loud. Those days have passed. Now I Think those things and act upon them, but never say them out loud. G. Harold Carswell. Gone. So close to replacing Abe Fortas, G. Harold Carswell. One speech. Gone. But Carswell, that ends well, Nixon got his third nomination through. Took a while. Justice Harry Blackman. Justice Harry Blackmun nominated and confirmed. Harry Blackmun was also the nickname Strom Thurmond gave Clarence Thomas. I don't know if that's true, but uh, I like to believe that it's true about Strom Thurmond. He was a Dixiecrat who gave a speech identical to G. Harold Carswell's white supremacy speech back in 1948 Strom Thurmond quit the Democratic Party to launch a third party run against Harry Truman. He ran as a Dixiecrat in 1948. Uh, Thurmond lost and became a Republican. And by the time Clarence Thomas's nomination rolled around, what was it, 1989? 1989, could that, could it, could it be 1980? No. No way. 90, 91, 89, 90? 90. Uh, by the time Clarence Thomas's nomination rolled around, Thurman, Strom Thurman, the Dixiecrat, was sitting on the Judiciary Committee and he became one of the staunchest defenders of Clarence Thomas, a fellow Republican. But I can't help but believe his support came with a price. And that price was getting to call, Clarence Thomas, Harry Blackman. Just something I like to believe. Uh, that would be, if you're looking at that right now, that would be Clarence Thomas during a break in his uh, confirmation hearings. Let's look at the hair plugs here. That's uh, Clarence Thomas during a break in his Senate confirmation hearings getting a whiff of Strom Thurmond's colostomy bag. That was, uh, Strom was old, and uh, this is true. He used to stink up the place, not just with his vile, racist ideas, He uh, was incontinent and really stunk up the Senate. Uh, That would be Strom Thurmond on the left. That's Clarence Thomas. And the hair plugs on the right, which are a little different than Strom Thurmond's, uh, that would be uh, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Joe Biden, getting a huge laugh when he walked up to Clarence Thomas and said, as you know, Justice, a lot of women other than Anita Hill have stepped forward with identical stories, and I would be remiss in my duties as chairman of the Judiciary Committee if I didn't give each one an opportunity to be heard. Just kidding! And, oh, look at them laughing. Look at them laughing. A lot of women came forward and Joe, yeah, we don't have time. Same way they didn't have time for the women who uh, came forward to tell us about Brett Kavanaugh. Anyway, Harry Blackman, by the way, Nixon's third choice, well, like I said, he, he got on the court. Turned out he wasn't as conservative as he led Nixon to believe he ended up writing the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion. Interesting, right? Supreme Court justices used to surprise us. Not anymore. Now there are watchdogs who keep an eagle eye on conservative justices, both in the lower courts and the Supreme Courts. In the lower courts, they watch these conservative justices to make sure they stick to the party line. Otherwise, no chance for advancement. No chance their names will ever be put forth as future Supreme Court justices. No book deals. And they keep an eye on the Supreme Court justices as well, making sure the conservative justices get first class, all expense pay travel to the kind of exclusive hunting lodge where Antonin Scalia ended up dead. That was an all-expense-paid trip in 2016 to a hunting lodge where Antonin Scalia ended up dead with a pillow over his head. Google that. Yeah, they have right-wing, these legal watchdogs on the right. They they help you get the job of Supreme Court justice, and uh, they make sure you stay you stay true to the people who brought you to the dance. One of those right wing watchdogs is Leonard Leo. I call him Leo Leo for short, right? It's Leonard Leo. Call him Leo Leo. Leonard Leo, Leo Leo, is the former head of the Federalist Society, a job that pays about $400,000 a year. Then there are the other jobs you take. Federalist Society has handpicked all three of Donald Trump's Supreme Court justices. The three who, along with Alito, Roberts, and Thomas, went on to tear up Harry Blackman's Roe v. Wade decision. He also, Leonard Leo, personally assisted Clarence Thomas during Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearings. You can't overstate the role that the Federalist Society plays in pushing ultra-right-wing judges onto the courts, you can't overstate the role that the Federalist Society plays in pushing those judges uh, on ultra-right-wing rulings. Ultra-right-wing rulings against abortion, against LGBTQ issues, but for corporate personhood. Leonard Leo has created a multi-million dollar coalition of dark money conservative donors who are more than willing to spend a lot of their money, not just on candidates, but on legal think tanks that hire far-right attorneys and professors, you know, like John Eastman, Claremont, uh, to pen dark money amicus briefs in support of conservative causes, amicus briefs that are presented to the Supreme Court. Thanks to Citizens United, we now have dark money amicus briefs where there is no way to discover who funded all these amicus briefs, who actually wrote them in support of all these conservative causes. You have a Speaker of the House who calls himself a constitutional scholar who claims in 2020 that he wrote the amicus brief that was sent to the Supreme Court. You had Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, suing Pennsylvania, claiming Pennsylvania's votes were stolen by Joe Biden. And Paxton's lawsuit went before the Supreme Court. And Speaker Johnson, he was just a A congressman in 2020, he got about 100, I don't know how many uh, congressmen to sign an amicus brief that he claims he wrote uh, proving that the election in Pennsylvania was stolen by Joe Biden. He claims he wrote it. There's no proof that he wrote it. We don't know who really wrote it. We don't know who funded it, because it's all dark money now, thanks to Supreme Court's ruling Citizens United, right? Rich people have a lot of money, and they spend it on conservative think tanks, legal think tanks, whose job it is to make sure rich people get to keep both their money and their white supremacy. Very important Rich Republicans, they like to keep their money and they like to retain their position in the chain of being here in the United States. White supremacy, very important. Leonard Leo, however, is a close friend of Clarence Thomas. And while it is illegal to give money to a justice who's sitting on the Supreme Court, it's not illegal to give money to... Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife. This is why Clarence Thomas should just cash in his chips and go home. He married the wrong person. Uh, Yeah, Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny, has been collecting salaries off Clarence's uh, people courting him in the court. The Federalist Society and the donors to the Federalist Society are very sophisticated, and they know how to skirt the laws when they're not writing them. For example, according to reporting by the Washington Post, Leonard Leo's Judicial Education Project, he changed the name, but at one time he had something called the Judicial Education Project, a nonprofit 501c3 tax deductible nonprofit. Well, according to the Washington Post, Leonard Leo's nonprofit secretly gave $80,000 to Kellyanne Conway's polling company back in 2011 so Kellyanne could hire Ginny Thomas's. Liberty Consulting, a political consulting company owned by Jenny Thomas, which, according to reporting that was done by CNBC, it pays her a base salary as well as benefits, but her disclosures are too opaque for CNBC to determine, to examine where all the money comes from, or where it goes There are breadcrumbs that investigative journalists can follow. CNBC reports that Ginny Thomas's Liberty Consulting has worked for several organizations, including one led by Frank Gaffney Jr, who the Anti-Defamation League says has a storied history of anti-Muslim hate speech. Jenny Thomas's company also consulted the Alabama judge Roy Moore's failed run for senate in Alabama. Remember Judge Roy Moore? Let me refresh your memory. The 10 commandments and high school girls. That's why he lost the race for senate. Not the 10 commandments, not violating. He was a judge who didn't care about the Establishment Clause. He was one of the Ten Commandments everywhere in Alabama. Uh, but he, uh, signed <laughs> he signed a couple of high school yearbooks. He signed a couple of high school yearbooks. And the people in Alabama but Wait, if it's not your sister, um, you shouldn't be hitting on... Um, anyway, that's why he lost. While the Supreme Court was deliberating Citizens United, Ginny Thomas's Liberty Consulting received a $550,000 anonymous donation from Dallas real estate billionaire Harlan Crowe who has turned out to be a super friend to Ginny and Clarence Thomas. It was a $550,000 anonymous donation, but we have the Washington Post and ProPublica who dig into these things. We've learned that Harlan Crow, the Dallas real estate billionaire, gave Thomas Frederick, gave Thomas, Frederick Douglass's Bible, which was said to be worth, at the time, close to $20,000. And then he donated $150,000 to add a Clarence Thomas wing to the library Clarence used as a child. Interesting thing about Harlan Crow, the Dallas real estate billionaire, he's a collector of fine art likes to support the arts. He likes beautiful things. According to the Washingtonian magazine, Harlan Crow has one of the world's most impressive collections of Nazi memorabilia, including two watercolors done by Adolf Hitler. But none of the pastels, Steve Martin, gobbled all those up in the late 1970s. You cannot get the Hitler pastels. Uh, I almost had a limited edition Hitler lithograph, but Howie Mandel, that prick, outbid me for it. Just out of spite. He knew I wanted that Hitler lithograph. Uh, Yeah, Harlan (laughs) Harlan Crow has two watercolors done by adolf hitler and he's helping fund the federalist society and ginny and clarence thomas he's also got statues of other strong men uh i think stalin i think he's got uh yeah that's harlan Crow, and supposedly his nazi memorabilia is like just jaw-dropping I I didn't even know it was legal to have Nazi memorabilia. According to the Washington Post, Harlan Crow, for the past 25 years, has treated Ginny and Clarence Thomas to luxury trips around the world, all first-class, first-class travel, first-class accommodations to places like New Zealand, the Adirondacks, and Indonesia. This is hundreds of thousands of dollars in payments in kind to Ginny and Clarence Thomas. And when asked about why he didn't disclose any of these gifts, Clarence Thomas said they're not gifts, they're gratuities. He said these are gratuities. I always think of a gratuity as a tip, but apparently Clarence Thomas and I have a different definition of the word Gratuity. he said this is what friends do for one another this is just what friends do Mm-hmm. Crow paid Harlan Crow he with the world class collection of Nazi memorabilia Harlan Crow paid the $6,000 a month tuition at a private boarding school for Clarence Thomas's nephew who Clarence had become the legal guardian of that's what friends do Crow also spent $133,000 to buy several homes that was owned by Thomas and his relatives. One of those homes allowed Clarence's Thomas's mother, Clarence Thomas's mother, to live rent free because that's what friends do. Then there's Anthony Welters from United Health Group, health insurance mogul. He loaned Clarence Thomas $267,230 to purchase a luxury RV back in nineteen ninety nine. And then most, if not all, of that two hundred and sixty-seven thousand two hundred and thirty dollars loan was mysteriously forgiven. Anthony Welters was asked about he can't find the paperwork said, I can't, I can't find the paperwork. This is a health insurance guy who can't find the paperwork. How ironic. According to the Washington Post, Clarence Thomas had no problem taking free trips, free vacations, free golf outings, and free flights from billionaire H. Wayne Bazinga. No, it's <laughs> Hazinga different <laughs> Bazinga Hazinga he's a waste management guy i i think he owned uh some video rental H Wayne Bazinga H H Wayne uh Hazinga a- the h actually stands for Hazinga by the way it's Hazinga Wayne Hazinga who uh died in 2018 without a pillow on his head. He did not die the same way Antonin Scalia died. They found Antonin Scalia at a hunting lodge with a pillow on his face, dead. A gratuity, some friends treated him to a a, uh, hunting vacation. That's how Antonin Scalia died. The Washington Post reports that the Heritage Foundation paid Ginny Thomas close to a million dollars between 2001 and 2007. What did she do? None of your business. Common Cause discovered the income and said Clarence Thomas failed to report any of it on the annual financial disclosures required by all Supreme Court justices. It's just a million dollars from the Heritage Foundation, which handpicks... Donald Trump's cabinet, the Heritage Foundation, you might have heard of Project 2025. They've written this manifesto on how Donald Trump can hit the ground running on day one to dismantle the administrative state. That Heritage Foundation, they paid Ginny Thomas close to a million dollars between 2001 and 2007. To do what? none of our business. Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, has also received paychecks from the ultra conservative Hillsdale College. You know Hillsdale College, the college, the far right college that advertises not a good not a good sign when 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 colleges are seem to spend more on advertising than they do on their students. She also received paychecks from Tucker Carlson's Daily Caller. Both organizations, Hillsdale College and the Daily Caller, refuse to say how much they paid Jenny Thomas and what exactly she did for them. The Washington Post reports that Jenny Thomas received $236,000 from the Center for Security Policy, They're an ultra far right think tank that, according to the Washington Post, has spread the lie that Muslims are infiltrating the United States and are a danger. The Post says that the Center for Security Policy, the Muslim Bashing Center for Security Policy, filed an amicus brief in favor of Donald Trump's Muslim ban, which went before the Supreme Court. They filed that amicus brief supporting Donald Trump's ban of Muslims entering the country. They filed that amicus brief the same exact time Ginny Thomas was getting paid $236,000 by the same organization. What a coincidence. Boy, the stars really lined up, didn't they? The special counsel... Investigating Donald Trump's assorted crimes, Jack Smith, has filed a motion before the United States Supreme Court. I talked about this earlier. Jack Smith is asking the Supreme Court to rule on whether or not President Trump could be found innocent based on the claim of presidential immunity. There's no such thing as presidential immunity. Smith is trying to short-circuit the appeals process by taking it straight to the Supreme Court. Trump's attorneys are already trying to get the two criminal trials thrown out, Jack Smith's two criminal trials, they want them thrown out, based on this horseshit notion that presidents can't be prosecuted for crimes they committed while they served as Chief Executive. Complete horseshit. Judge Tanya S. Chutkin, who is presiding over the election interference trial in DC, rejected that argument. So what's going on? Why are why are they filing these ridiculous motions? Delay, delay, delay. Gum up the works. According to the New York Times, Trump's attorneys are appealing Judge Chutkin's ruling in order to postpone the trial, which is scheduled to begin in March. The thinking is, if the defense attorneys can delay long enough by going through the appeals process, eventually Donald Trump will become president again, and then his Justice Department will independently decide to toss the charges out, to toss out to independently decide to lock up Jack Smith and probably judge Tiny Chutkin. Delay, delay, delay. Just get him back in the Oval Office. That's the idea. Tomorrow, Trump's attorneys must hand the Supreme Court their response to Jack Smith's motion. Now, there is no guarantee that our Supreme Court will allow Jack Smith to leapfrog over the appeals courts. Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. Jack jumped over. Uh, I wish I were more clever. Uh, But he's trying to leapfrog over the uh, appeals courts and get it right into the Supreme Court. Don't know what rhymes with stick. Would have been nice, right, if I could... Let me know in the comments. Jack, be nimble. Jack, be quick. Everybody from Alabama is a hick. That has nothing to do with what I was talking about. I'm depressed. Hey, tomorrow is the solstice. Where was I? Oh, okay. So uh, Jacks, anybody still here? Okay. Uh, what am I talking about? Jack Smith. Uh special counsel, trying to leapfrog the appeals courts. And uh, one of the justices who will be deciding whether to allow the appeal of Judge Tanya Chutkin's ruling, uh, whether they're going to allow it to be expedited straight to the Supreme Court, one of those justices is, yeah, Clarence Thomas. How do you think Clarence Thomas will rule. How will he rule? Do you think he'll say no to Jack Smith? You think he'll say, let's not hear this case quite yet? You know, the Trump attorneys insist Trump's got presidential immunity. You think Judge Thomas will say, let's have this wind its way through the appeals process before it gets to us? Or do you think Judge Thomas will say, you know what, let's hear the appeal right now It's a high-profile case. We do this all the time. It involves the office of the presidency. We have an election in November. We have this trial in March. We've expedited rulings in the past. We've jumped over. We've allowed prosecutors, attorneys, to jump over the appeals courts. Let's take the case right now and make a ruling so we can decide if Trump's criminal trial should or shouldn't start in March. How do you think Judge Clarence Thomas will rule? I'll give you a hint. On January 19th, 2022, the Supreme Court of the United States upheld a lower court ruling that said President Trump had to turn over to the January 6th committee all relevant documents related to their ongoing investigation. Every single justice ruled in favor of the January 6th committee. Every single justice on the Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump did not have executive privilege. He's no longer president. He has to turn over to the January 6th committee all relevant documents. Every single justice but one, said Donald Trump. to turn over these documents every justice but but one can you guess which justice uh clarence thomas clarence thomas interestingly enough the white house documents that then had to be delivered to the january 6th committee revealed numerous text messages to the trump white house from clarence thomas's wife Ginny, text messages about 29 text messages that were of interest that were sent during the period between november of 2020 right after the election and january 6 2021 in her numerous texts There was a back and forth between Ginny Thomas and White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Uh, Ginny Thomas, in about 29 texts, uh, this is a woman who still maintains Joe Biden stole the election. Clarence Thomas married to an inveterate election denier. She urged the White House to keep fighting, to keep Trump in office, She and Mark Meadows went back and forth about how this is a battle between good and evil, and they believe they've got God on their side. That's in the texts. She urged Mark Meadows not to fire the lawyer, Sidney Powell, whose stolen election theories were starting to make even Donald Trump think she was crazy. That's how off the wall her election theories were. Uh, Cassidy, I think it was Cassidy Hutchinson. I don't. It's in her book, she she wrote that uh, Donald Trump was talking in the lead up to January January sixth. He was talking to Sidney Powell, and uh, he had her on a speaker phone. And then he mouthed the words, "She's crazy," uh, because she took it seriously. Donald Trump. Knew there was no such thing as election fraud. But Sidney Powell, uh, she was a child prodigy. She really was. And, uh, you know, I think she graduated from law school like when she was five. Something like that. Uh, Sydney Powell was, like, off the charts. Uh, but uh, she peaked too early intellectually. And I think she believed the election was stolen, and Donald Trump said, this woman's crazy. <laughs> so She's, she's actually believes this shit? Uh, well, Ginny Thomas came to her defense. They were going to fire Sidney Powell, and there are text messages where Ginny Thomas is saying, keep her. Don't let... She's good. She's a good person. She's smart. Ginny Thomas was also in constant communication, according to the subpoena documents, with John Eastman, a friend and former law clerk of Judge Clarence Thomas, who is currently on trial in Georgia for writing all the memos outlining why Mike Pence should, refu- should refuse to certify the election. Even when the, the insurrection was going on, John Eastman was sending emails to Mike Pence's Chief of Staff during the insurrection, don't certify. So it's odd that out of all nine justices, the only one who voted against releasing these documents to the January 6th committee would end up being Ginny Thomas's husband, Clarence. That is why yesterday, eight Democratic members of the House Judiciary Committee wrote a letter urging Clarence Thomas to recuse himself for making a decision on Donald Trump's presidential immunity. Yeah, I, I could see why they might think Clarence Thomas would rule that President Donald Trump is immune from prosecution. Clarence Thomas is immune from prosecution. He's just an associate justice of the Supreme Court, so why wouldn't he think Donald Trump is immune from prosecution. And now the Supreme Court, as of, thir- uh, what's today? Today's Tuesday. And now the Supreme, Tuesday night, and now this, well, it's Tuesday morning, and now the Supreme Court is going to have to decide whether or not the Colorado Supreme Court was correct when it ruled that Donald Trump participated in an insurrection We're going to have to decide whether it was an insurrection and is therefore under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, Donald Trump would be ineligible to hold office. How do you think Clarence Thomas is going to rule on that? Especially since Ginny Thomas was there on January 6th in the crowd. It got cold and she had to go home. But, you know, she didn't storm the Capitol. She went home. But she was there. She was there. There are 29 text messages between her and Mark Meadows in the lead up to January 6th. Messages on record. You can look these up. CBS found these. CNN, the Washington Post, the New York Times. These are some of her messages. In the lead up to January 6th, quote, help this great president stand firm Mark exclamation point three times, Mark Meadows. You are the leader with him who is standing for America's constitutional governance at the precipice. The majority knows Biden and the left is attempting the greatest heist of our history. Uh, then another message. Sound like sounds like Sydney. And her team, Sidney Powell, here she is coming to the defense of Sidney Powell, who Donald Trump thinks is crazy. Sounds like Sydney and her team are getting inundated with evidence of fraud. Make a plan, release the Kraken, and save us from the left, taking America down. Ginny Thomas called for Trump and Mark Meadows to release and then some really sick stuff about her army getting trump's back we got your back i got my army we got your back and then tearfully praying for trump to stay in office there is only one word to describe these texts it is the same word to describe jenny thomas it's one word unhinged this woman sounds and reads and behaves unhinged which is why i recommend clarence thomas should probably recuse himself from the supreme court entirely he had a nice run He's the oldest justice, plus he feels cheated. You know, he could have, this is what he always says to the wealthy donors, he could have had a job at a top law firm that would have paid him six to eight million dollars a year. Clarence, come on, recuse yourself from the entire court. You can finally be paid to make speeches. You've been giving it away on the street now you can get paid for those speeches and you could finally trade in that tired broken down recreational vehicle for something new and exciting that wouldn't embarrass you and by tired broken down recreational vehicle i mean your wife jenny she's not just an embarrassment in my opinion i find her disgusting you should recuse yourself From the Supreme Court and your wife, Ginny Thomas. Recuse yourself. You could do so much better than Ginny, Clarence, and don't feel bad. I heard she went to law school but couldn't pass the bar exam. Fix her up on a date with Jim Jordan. They have a lot in common. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Jim Jordan, I don't know if I ever mentioned this before, but Jim Jordan, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, attended law school but couldn't pass the bar exam. Did I ever mention that before? And apparently, from what I've ascertained, Ginny Thomas had trouble passing the bar exam. That's what I've heard. That's what people are saying. Don't know if it's 100% true, but uh, I think she couldn't pass the Nebraska bar exam. How hard is it to be? I'm sorry. Nebraska's a great state. i got to stop picking on... Uh, Any place that isn't New York City. uh, It's a bad habit. Where am I? Tomorrow's the solstice. Tomorrow's the shortest day of the year. Unless you live in Australia and it's the longest day of the year. And by longest day of the year in Australia, that means lunch with uh, Russell Crowe. They tend to go on and on for days. I love Russell Crowe. Why did I say that? I love Australia. But they, they're they having the longest day, and we're having the shortest day. They're having the longest day. They're invading Normandy. That's what... Wasn't that the mo- The longest day? Wasn't that the D-Day invasion? Didn't they call it the longest day? I'm uh, having a just a little breakdown here. uh Hey, after tomorrow, as a, it's very important for me to remind you of this. The days start getting longer again. And the Prince of Darkness, Donald Trump, his poll numbers. I've said this. Watch what happens. This is, this is when Donald Trump thrives because he's the Prince of Darkness. But on December 22nd. By the way, there was a New York Times. I was going to talk about this, but then the Colorado State Supreme Court ruined my show. And I felt obligated to talk about it. But, you know, these New York, this New York Times poll where they say Biden's in trouble, if you read the internals, he wins. He's beating Trump uh, among likely voters, among registered voters. Well, that's a different animal. Registered voters don't vote. Likely voters vote. Biden is beating Trump. These polls, you have to pay attention to the polls, though. They're, they're, people tack, they change policy accordingly. The polls are very important. Uh, okay. If you enjoyed any of this, please like the video so I remain in your feed. Please like the podcast. This is an audio podcast. Take me with you wherever you uh download podcasts please like this episode please share it if you want to give me a christmas gift a hanukkah gift a kwanzaa gift share these episodes with like-minded people that's the best way to help this show uh share it like it subscribe to my newsletter subscribe to my channel Thank you to the subscriber, to the moderators in the chat room for keeping the conversation civil. I believe it's Bob and I think Autumn. I think Autumn helps out. That's it. Tomorrow, we just have to get through tomorrow and then it's nothing but sunlight. I promise you, it's nothing but sunlight. Thank you all. I'll see you tomorrow. Go to bed, Nikolai. I have a 72 year old nephew who's watching the show right now, and it's way past your bedtime, Nikolai. Bye.